locking room. He gets to the 50. He gets to midfield. He gets to the 40. What an athletic display by Trey Ford. He's magic. He is the magic man of the Canadian Football League right now. He's got a line to the net. He'll come in. The shot's gone. home for great stories, local heroes, and everything you need on the Oilers and Elks. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. Oh, hold on to your potatoes, Dr. Jones. We got a fun show ahead. Luke Gazdick is going to appear for the first time this season. We got an eye on the Blue Jays game as they try to move closer to clinching a playoff spot. They are in very, very good shape to do so, though they are in a tight one tonight against the New York Yankees as uh, it is still scoreless. It is still scoreless in this game. Now through seven innings. The seventh inning just ended. So no score there. Blue Jays and Yankees will keep an eye on that one for you. Hopefully it'll come to a conclusion during the good old program. We uh, have an off day for the Oilers today. They're back on the ice tomorrow morning for the morning skate. And then they take on the Vancouver Canucks tomorrow night in an exhibition contest. It is 5.30 for the face-off show here on 6.30. Chad, the game will start at 7. So Oilers now with uh, Bob Stauffer will run from 4 to 5.30. Tough result last night, 5-0 the final. I thought the Oilers, you know, played hard, 1-0 after two periods. Uh, the early goal by Pionk in the third period, and then the Jets uh, able to pull away after that. They had the better lineup. Uh, Brassois made the saves he needed to, 5-0 the final there. Just one roster move by the Oilers today. I thought they might do something today. Didn't Wasn't sure exactly how much. It wasn't a lot, just the one move. Brady Stonehouse returned to Ottawa in the Ontario Hockey League. So there is the update there. Of course, uh, very cool, I think, anyway. I know Chelsea and I were talking about this this afternoon. We got the new jerseys unveiled for the Heritage Classic that is about a month away at Commonwealth Stadium. The Oilers Oilers and the Flames will go head-to-head. And uh, we got the Flames wearing a... uh, very traditional red and white type of jersey. They got their Flaming Sea logo. Uh, it's a white jersey with a white logo, but there's a, a solid red circle around the logo, and it actually has Calgary Flames printed in the logo. The Oilers is a, a little bit more of a departure. I like it a lot. I think most people like the sweater themselves. I know Chelsea was saying, and a couple of people wrote in, that they don't like the pants and gloves, which are, uh, well, it says right on the Oilers' website, leather-looking pants and gloves recall hockey gear from yesteryear. I, I think it looks kind of cool. I think it looks like a bit of a throwback-type uh, uh, look. But the jersey itself, very cool. Blue Orange shoulders, big orange stripe on the bottom, orange around the elbows, a white oil drop on the front with the player's number inside the oil drop, and then Edmonton Oilers written in a semicircular uh, crest underneath the oil drop, blue helmets, uh, blue and orange socks with some white trim. So I think it's a, it's a pretty good look, and it's in honor of the Edmonton Mercuries, the team that won gold at the 1952 Winter Olympics. Uh, Kellen, let's give away a T-shirt. Okay. We'll, we'll do it the first person to text in the correct answer. 780-496-0063. If you're phoning, but well, we're going to do this one by text, but it is the hotline. 
Provided by CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling system. CertainTeed, pro all the way. Uh, text in city and country that hosted the 1952 Winter Olympics. So you can't just write in Evansburg or Canada. You'd have to write in Evansburg, Canada. Quick hint, that's not the right answer. I believe Evansburg applied to host the Winter Olympics in 1984, beaten out by Calgary. Oh, you mean 88. 80, what was? What did I say? 84 was Sarajevo. 84 88 was Sarajevo. 88, yeah. but, but that's sad. I got that. 84, <laughs> uh, 84 was the first Olympics I really watched a lot of, and that would have been the, uh, a lot of the Summer Olympics in Los Angeles because its time zone was only one off. Yes, the, thanks, man. That's embarrassing. The 88 Olympics. Well, see, that's that was the problem because in Evansburg, we were bidding for the wrong year. I think we have a winner yeah, already. We, we, bid, we bid after the Olympics had already happened. Well, who is it? Yes, uh, Doug texts in and says Oslo, Nor- Norway. That's correct. Doug gets a Cadhab t-shirt if he wants it. And Doug, if you don't want it, your dog will like it. It makes a great chew-, chew toy. So the 1952 Winter Olympics in Oslo, Norway, and they also served as the world championships then. So you won the Olympics, you also won the world championships. So Edmonton would send a team rather than picking a bunch of Canadian players and throwing them together. So it was the, uh, the Edmonton Mercuries. So uh, I was kind of reading about this in the past. I had, I had read about this before, but it had been a while. Um, there were nine teams in the tournament. They played a round robin, and then the top three teams got medals. So there was no playoffs. There was no medal round, and they, they did this up. Well, they were still doing it in 1988 uh, in Calgary. Um, so the... Uh, Canadians were in the tournament. The Edmonton Mercury's were in the tournament representing Canada. So Canada is unbeaten going into the very final game of, uh, of the round robin. And they're playing the United States, and the game ends in a tie. So Canada is still in first place. So uh, they get the gold, and the United States gets the silver. If Canada had won the game... Obviously, Canada still would have got the gold because they wouldn't have even they would have been undefeated and untied. Untied, the U.S. would have dropped the fourth. So a, a newspaper in Moscow accused the Canada, the United States, that they made a deal to tie the game to assure the United States of getting a silver, and that that way Czechoslovakia, as it was known at the time. Uh, would finish fourth and would be out of the medals because if if it would have been if if Canada would have won and the U.S. lost it would have been Canada Sweden Czechoslovakia and then and then the U.S. So I, I mean who knows I I kind of dealt that but that was the accusation uh, at the time and then I was very surprised to read that uh, Czechoslovakia and Sweden finished tied for the bronze. And they also had an equal goal differential of plus 29. Now, the Czechoslovakian team had beaten Sweden in their head-to-head matchup. So the Czechs thought, now I guess the Czechs are already mad that they think Canada and the United States tied on purpose to screw them over. So then they had beaten Sweden in their head-to-head matchup. So they're like, great, we're tied with Sweden in overall record. We're tied with goal differential, but we won the head-to-head matchup. So we're going to get the bronze. But then the organizers of the tournament said, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to play a tie-breaking game 
couple days after the after the tournament it was supposed to have ended, and Sweden won that, so Czechoslovakia didn't even get a medal. So, well, to me, that I don't think Canada and the United States tied on purpose, but I, that, to me, that's a little shady going to a tiebreaker game when uh, the one team had already won the head-to-head matchup. So anyway, r- r- random facts there about the uh, 1952 Winter Olympics in Oslo, Norway, won by the Edmonton Mercury's representing Team Canada. So uh, that's very cool. Did you learn anything there, Kellen? Uh, it's more of a refresher for me. I think I remember. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, as, I, as I told Esco on Oilers Now, uh, I, I had remembered learning about this stuff back in high school because in around uh, the 2002 Salt Lake Olympics, when Team Canada uh, did the double gold in uh, Salt Lake with the men's and women's team, we were all taught about all this back history and that stuff and why the drought and why it was so important. Well, stuff. because this was the this was the last one before until 2002, right? Right. Yeah, yeah the most the, recent. Yes, so that that had be, had been the most recent one until Canada finally won again. Now the I, and I should point out uh, the Soviet Union, as it was called at the time, Russia was not in the tournament, and uh, it was interesting from reading some of this. There, there there were some people who thought that hockey shouldn't be in the Olympics because it was too dirty a sport it was too physical there was it was just too too many bad things going on on the ice but ultimately they they decided to keep it and i also read that there were complaints about games being too lopsided which is something we still complain about in international hockey today so anyway uh the edmonton mercury's represented um Canada. We still have some ties to the Edmonton Mercury's in Edmonton. I was trying to get somebody on the show tonight. Couldn't wrangle anybody. Maybe I'll be able to get somebody for the face-off show tomorrow or Inside Sports on Thursday. I think it's something we can talk about at any time, not just the day the uh, the uh, the jerseys are revealed. And and I, you, you probably can, I'm sure a lot of people can picture the Edmonton Mercury's jersey. So they had a, a, a maple leaf where the Oilers are putting the oil drop, and then in that semicircle crest under the maple leaf, it said Edmonton Mercury's, and on the Oilers jersey, it says uh, Edmonton Oilers. Anyway, I think that's pretty cool. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. If you want to get in touch, you can also email the show Inside Sports at six thirty ched dot com. Okay. We will uh, get to Luke Gazdick when we get back as he is back on Inside Sports for another year as a regular. Talk to you in a couple minutes. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta's precedent-setting injury lawyers. Score, Yankees and Blue Jays. Guerrero Jr. at the plate, 0 for 2 so far. Today we'll get to Luke Gazdick in a couple of minutes as he is provided, as he was last season, by Avalon Foundation Repairs, Western Canada's leading foundation repair company for over 50 years and home of the lifetime warranty. 780-496-0063. Kellen, what do we got? Yes, uh, Jason from Sangudo texted again and said, if Evansburg would have partnered with Entwistle, they would have probably won the Olympic bid yeah. for 1988. Well, so, I, I, I think Sangudo probably could have hosted something too. Or Summer maybe, Olympics. Maybe cross-country skiing could have been up by Sangudo. Yeah, I think a huge missed opportunity. Sangudo, incredible community. Mm-hmm. And we got another one here from an unknown texter just simply asking, when am I going to see Skinner and or Campbell play a game? Can you wait 24 hours? Ooh, <laughs> I, there we go. I, I think that they might be in tomorrow. Uh, unless maybe, I don't know. 
I, I would expect one of them to be in tomorrow. No, they didn't skate today, so there was no indication. We've got a full game for Rodrigue. We've got a full game for Pickard. Rob and I were talking about that last night. One or both of those guys will probably hang around for a while just so there's always a goalie or two on the ice at practice. There's still enough players that they can have two practice sessions. But I, I would think one of Skidder or Campbell's uh, going to make an appearance tomorrow, I, I would think. And I strongly expect McDavid will play tomorrow. So anyway, uh, we'll get to more of your messages later on. Uh, we welcome back to the show former Edmonton Oiler now doing some broadcasting, some podcasting. Always fun to have Luke Gazdick on the show. Luke, how how are you doing? Good, Reed. It's good to be back, buddy. Yes, year number two for you as a regular on Inside Sports, which is pretty fun. We're happy that you're back. You're going to be on even a little more often than you were last year, which is going to be fun for everybody. So uh, really appreciate it. But you're like, you're like a full-on media guy now. Radio, TV, you're doing a really good podcast. You've you've broken some stories like, you know, Connor Brown pretty, pretty much saying he was coming here. You're off and running, eh? I know. I was actually talking to Taylor Hall yesterday and I said, buddy, I'm a full-fledged media guy now. And uh, I never thought that it was going to go in this direction, but it's kind of just where the road's taken me. And, and I've really enjoyed it. Do you think in some circumstances, and this might be bad for guys like me, I want to see what you think, that, that players are more comfortable revealing things to ex-players in interviews? Or does it just depend on the relationship, do you think? Yeah, I think it depends on the relationship. I've noticed it a little bit with my podcast, but at the same time, I think you have that trust and comfortability factor that you won't be using those answers for clicks and to try to get attention from them. I think there has to be a real trust between you and the player and even me as a former player that um, it's just kind of a good, easy, down-to-earth conversation and you're not really waiting for them to say something that uh, you you wouldn't normally hear from a, from a journalist or reporter. So it's been... Uh, fun finding that balance but uh it's also great just because i i can get a different perspective and a unique perspective from a lot of these guys i i enjoyed when you had uh, darnell saying that he's been blamed for everything even uh the gridlock on stony plain road i thought that was a pretty good sound <laughs> I, bite. I had a good chuckle at that one too <laughs> that was pretty good okay well yeah glad to have you back for another season and uh of course we'll have a lot to talk about starting with today and you texted me yesterday afternoon. Uh, you expected a bit of a lopsided game in Winnipeg with the with the lineups, and uh, you've been through that, eh? The old travel and play, uh, and knowing that you're a little undermanned going into a game, perhaps. Yeah, I thought about it right away because it's really evolved. Um, Elliot Friedman was talking about this yesterday too, and it's really evolved to the point where at home you're really putting out these star lineups and heavy veteran lineups and you're sending the bare minimum on the road. And by that, you're basically just getting your veteran minimum requirement and then guys on PTOs and on American League deals or whatever it may be or prospects. And I was laughing yesterday because as soon as I saw them put out that roster, I thought of an identical situation when I was with Edmonton where we had a back-to-back -back with Winnipeg. And I remember sitting on the plane because you go day of the game for preseason, right? As opposed to the day before and you get the night to kind of, you know, get settled and time change. Like you just, you skate, you get on the plane and you go right there like three, four hours early sometimes for these preseason games. And we had a one where I was one of the only vets. We barely 
barely made the minimum. And I just remember sitting on the plane, looking at a couple of guys. I don't know if it was Teddy Purcell or who was with me. And we were just like, oh boy, this is going to be a tough one tonight. Cause we had gotten wind of Winnipeg's lineup and it was stacked. And uh, you know, those old Winnipeg teams, Bufflin, Wheeler, um, you know, Ehlers and, and Scheif and all those guys were playing. And I think we made a game of it. But it was very similar to last night where by the time we hit the third period, the wheels just fell off and we could really only stave them for so long. Uh, so it was funny that, that we were thinking about that. I, I remember that exactly. Yeah. And, you know, it was interesting last night. You know, Rob and I talked about it after the game and, and Woody referenced it in his interview, Calvin Pickard in his interview. Like you couldn't really fault the effort. I mean, there is a point where it's kind of like, Okay, well, like, but what? And, and I mean, it, honestly, the Oilers probably would have done that to the Jets on Sunday if not for Delia's goaltending. He was he was exceptional. So, like, when like when you go into a game like that, do you just tell yourself? I know you're all very competitive, but you just did you tell yourself don't worry too much about the score? Like, just work on every shift, make sure you make an impression with the coach. Yeah, and I think that's a general mindset for preseason too, especially for non-roster players or guys that are vying for jobs. I almost use that as more of a motivation as a team and an individual because you're going in there and no one's expecting you really to do anything. You're not you're not being expected to come out with any points. It's like your backs are against the wall and the better you do it, that'll look even better on you. And I was even like that as a veteran, like, hey, we're going here with maybe a not so good lineup. Let's be leaders as players and really just bring the effort. Just like you said, you can't fault the effort from last night. I thought they were buzzing. It's just at a certain point, you don't have, you know, the, the skill to match it. Uh, but for me, I use that as extra motivation. It's like, let's go and let's go and show them something here. And like, just let's just take this a shift at a time. Be cognizant and aware of who you're on the ice against and, and the time and the score in the game. Um, but really just try to get noticed and, and be physical and make good plays with the puck. That is one thing I'll say, Reed, is my goodness, has the preseason in the NHL changed a lot. I maybe counted about six hits last night, and <laughs> through two games, we have no fights. Uh, I'm, a, I'm very sure that you're aware it was much different uh, when I was there. So I will yeah. say that that is one of the uh, one of the big differences. Well, and you're not even that far removed from it. And then you go back to, you know, the 80s and the 90s even. I, I mean, I think we go further back than that. Uh, we're really starting to talk about ancient hockey history. But it's funny. I call Our first call Rob and I had of the season after the game on Sunday, a guy said, uh, Holloway had a good game. And I wish there were more fights. And and Rob and I said we don't know. We can't guarantee there's going to be a fight in eight preseason games. Like well, I I can't guarantee it. There might not be. Yeah, and I know. And it's just the way it is. I'm I'm okay with it too. I don't necessarily need to see two guys square off at center ice and do the whole do the whole show. But usually in these games, there is a lot of emotion because guys are going full tilt. Guys are trying to make NHL rosters, and I think that's maybe the one thing that I've been disappointed. In a little bit of is really haven't seen guys on either rosters that have been out there just crushing guys and and talking to the bench like i would have had a field day yesterday with you know i even i saw i don't i hate giving him credit but that jeffrey vl is like running right. around last he's <laughs> running around last night and finishing checks and he's stopping right on top of pickard right in front of the crease and you know no one's really doing anything about it and it's just changed a lot i think that maybe i would have had a little bit to say about that um 
but it, it's for the good too. You, you really are getting to see some of the showcasing of, of some of the skill and, and talent that these new kids have. Yeah, for sure. Luke, stay on the line. We'll, we'll get more with you after the 7.30 news and weather. Luke Gazdick on Inside Sports, provided by Avalon Foundation Repair, Western Canada's leading foundation repair company for over 50 years and home of the Lifetime Warranty. 